Good morning, church. Um, I was tempted to come in my pajamas and my Uggs. This is a pre-recording, um, but since Brad had highlighted, that's apparently how we gather. Um, but no, it was a warm day, and motherhood was richly upon me. I'm just getting my water bottle, so I dressed for the occasion. Um, I'm not going to speak for too long this morning. I, I just want to share a revelation I felt I had from the Lord, an encounter I had from the Lord in the middle of May. Um, I think most of you are aware that we've just been on an awesome journey, obviously, throughout COVID, but we've been on a journey of fostering. And as soon as you enter that journey from the very beginning, from the process of being accepted as a foster carer, you see a whole new world. You get introduced to the world of children in care. Um, but uh, then once you take a child on, you, get, you see a whole nother level. And so naturally there's a transition process for your heart. There's a journey for your heart that's got its intensities. And what I was finding was um, I would have these waves and waves of anxiety or overwhelm just in the uh, my heart being expanded, in the stretching. And to just to encourage you, sometimes we can feel waves of anxiety and it's not a holy thing, but there are times where your heart is communicating that it's being stretched. And it's a call to prayer, really. And so it would have been the May the 15th, Yes, yes, because we're June now. May 15th, it was a Friday night. I'd just done the week. It had had a lot involved. It's all new to me. I'm feeling stretched. My mama heart is aching and I couldn't sleep. And I've had, in my 20s, severe anxiety, panic attacks, uh, really struggled with sleep for a, for a long time. But I've had such breakthrough. The Lord has really pulled me through and healing. And I am one that can testify that when I lay down my head, I sleep in peace. And so when it gets to a state like this where I'm not sleeping, I'm not necessarily in a state of worry or panic. Um, I'm just alert and a lot processing in my heart. I know the best stewardship for it is prayer. And I feel like the Lord almost needs me to feel that because he needs me to pray. So it's not a bad thing, but it feels awful. I hope that makes sense. And so I, I got up and went to the lounge. Everything's black. And I knew I'd be bawling my eyes out. It has that tension with it. Um, it's not usually a pretty time. Um, but there's a prayer I've been praying, and when we went into the Isaiah 58 fast, we kind of incorporated it into it. But a prayer in my heart was, let my mind process whatever you desire it to process, and however you desire to pro it to process. Let my heart feel whatever you desire it to feel, however you desire it to feel. So I had the what's and the how's and the when's as well included in my prayer of surrender. Because it's very easy to try and shut down the feelings of stretching or the feelings of suddenly seeing things that are an injustice or a concern to the Lord. And um, the things that matter to Him will eventually hurt our hearts and we can be in conflict with it or we can surrender to Him expanding our hearts to understand it and to care. And so my um, self-protective bubble or my self-preservation bubble would be I'll watch a movie or I'll, um, I'll mean anybody. We can watch a movie or we can have a wine or we can 
um, get up and eat a bar of chocolate. Like there are things we can shop online. There are things we can do to try and remove ourselves from the feeling that we're feeling. Or we can go, I'm going into prayer and I'm going to surrender in my prayer. Um, because the next lines that can come out of your mouth, they're not bad prayers, but they're things like help or get, this, get me out of this or please take this feeling away. And they're not bad prayers. Some of the most holiest prayers we've ever prayed are help Jesus. But um, I think in this scenario and when he's expanding our hearts to see what he's concerned about, it's really important that we just surrender. Um, we trust a good shepherd to work even with our own capacity and to work with our faculties to help us process and so that we don't go into shutdown or into panic. So there I am, messy on the floor praying, and the Lord, um, I could hear my conversation as a seer and a person who's obviously talking with the Lord. It's a little bit like a lift a flat book. Um, I'm having a conversation and then there's a picture and they have to go together. So if you just see a picture on its own, it can be quite confusing if you're not also listening and conversing. And if you're conversing and then there's no picture, sometimes that's also confusing. So I'm very grateful. And so often I share I'm hearing and I'm seeing because it is, it's a bit of a story and you sort of have a vision at the same time. I hope that makes sense. And so for me, I'm just on the floor and I'm, I'm praying and, and I'm surrendering and I can hear, yes, there's cost, there's stretching, there's things to see that my heart just doesn't want to see. It's awful. And, but I can hear a little negotiation. It's like as you surrender, the Lord is so pleased with that, that he starts to reveal little things that are still in the way in your surrender that stop you from hearing his safety, security, wisdom, perspective, the higher truth. And the negotiation, I don't like negotiation, so I love it when he, he points them out of me, was this deal of if I do the cost, if I lay down my life, if I surrender as you've asked me to, you will look after my babies. Not a bad desire, let's just clarify that. But he's already promised that he's going to look after these children. He's already promised to give us a hope and a future. And so for me to negate that was showing a lack of trust on my part of his goodness. And so instead of just decreeing his goodness over it, I could see an orphan part of me, a peace and un unbelief and a peace negotiating. And he doesn't ask us to lay ourselves down in that way when he's already said he's going to do it. So he revealed that to me and I just was like, you're right, you're right, that's, that's not holy. And, and it's great to think it, but when he reveals it, you really feel that part of your heart surrender. And so it can be quite painful and beautiful. So I was laying down that, um, saying, you're right, you have your will, whatever that looks like. Because let's be honest, often the will of God and the paths that he does with each one of us looks different to what our parents probably thought it would look like, etc., etc. So I just prayed the will of the Lord over our children. And I heard myself say to myself, so this is not the Lord speaking to me, I heard myself say to myself, it's all right because the cost, the laying your life down, seeing things I didn't really want to see, but now seeing it and being willing to put my hand in and make a difference and care, this excruciating, exaggerated word, but this incredible feeling, I'm willing to do this because really I know that it's worth it for oneness. It's worth it to know you better, Jesus. It's worth it to um, know a part of your heart I wouldn't have known before, which is true. Except for when it came <laughs> through my thoughts talking to me, then the Lord said to me, nah, not really. Which is the strangest thing to have the Lord say to me because it is absolutely true. He is more than enough. He is ultimately 
um, our satisfaction. There is nothing else more pleasing than unity with Jesus. Um, that union, that's what he desires for us. And so I was a bit sort of like, what's going on? Am I in doubt? What is this conversation? And the lifter flap happened. And there I was kneeling on the floor, bawling my eyes out. That's what I was in my prayer. It's not very pretty. And in front of me was um, these huge ancient doors, just gigantic, a double door and with carvings and the whole thing had this bl beautiful blue glow. And so um, obviously everything's very metaphoric with, with visions. And I just knew by this encounter, the ancient doors, there was a lot of history. This is wise wisdom. This is deep revelation. This is kingdom revelation. And the door was slightly ajar. So a part of me goes, this is threshold revelation. This is things of what I'm going to step into if we say yes. Um, but I felt something on it was... Like this is, this has been planned for this time and it's been from a long time ago that it's been planned for this time. And um, I saw the door slightly ajar and all this blue light shining out and I knew that there were angels around and guardians and I, I was bawling my eyes out on the floor going, what is going on? But that's my picture within the context of my conversation. So it seems completely out of context, but if you listen into the conversation that you're having with the Lord when you see, and he had just said to me, mm, that's not, that's not really enough, is it? You know, just union with me. And I looked at the door and it was like he told me inside me, but he just said, this is the Lord speaking, it's not enough for me. And that wasn't insulting. It was a sense of, um, I desire for my children to know the Lord and I desire for my neighbor to know the Lord and I desire for the shop assistant to know the Lord and uh, we long for healing and we long for breakthrough and these are really beautiful things but in some way and I don't know how to language this well but it's as if that's always been even when it's our own children or our own family members there's an element of it that's slightly separated from ourselves and it was for the first time something in me recognized that we are not separate and to have true oneness with Jesus means all of me needs to be there and my neighbor is me and I am them. And my children are me and I am them. My family are me and I am them. The shop assistant is me and I am them. Just as much as Adam is me and I am him, Jacob is me and I am them. There was just this recognition of we are are one. Oh my gosh, it's a song on the kids' TV. We are one, but we are many. And I think we've always recognized our differences and our diversities, which is wonderful, but I don't think we've understood truly how the Lord recognizes us as one. And so as much as we have this grace of union that we fellowship with Him and we have this deep revelation and um, communion with the Holy Spirit in each one of us, really, Jesus longs for all of us as one um, to come and meet with him in union. And it was this breaking feeling on the inside of even though I will constantly meet with you, I no longer feel the satisfaction maybe I did before. Because now when I meet with you, I haven't, I haven't got other parts of me with me. Um, and it, it, it sounds negative because it's, it's speaking of those who are still lost. It's the prodigals. It's 
it's the brokenness around us and there's so much of it. And so it had a grief to it, um, a deep grief. And I feel the grief of the Lord in that where we're no longer just hoping people get saved, but we're not even satisfied now because as the church, when we love on him, we're missing the rest of us. But I was grieved and yet only a few days later, um, tracking with um, global conversations around and leading up to Pentecost. And as we were in the midst of our leadership team doing um, the Isaiah 58 fast with Song of Songs 8, I was so encouraged because over this time from with COVID causing shutdowns through um, Passover to Pentecost, well, that whole period is called Passover, Passover. But throughout that whole time, different people around the world were able to connect online because that's how we can when we're in lockdown. And there was a lot of repentance happening between the church towards different nations, tribes, and tongues. And I was watching and listening to testimony with Israel and Egypt and all these different people connecting and allowing it to be accessible to anybody. You didn't have to be a special person in leadership. You could just link into their Zoom um, catch-ups and they were celebrating international worship. And um, I just felt the Lord say, yes, and the church is one, but it, it was like he said to me, but look, you're more one than you've ever been. And it put such a rejoicing in my spirit. So there's this grief right next to, we're in a place we've never been before as the church, where we are one more than we've ever been. Um, because globally we can connect. I think when you look at the negatives of how fast um, COVID or the panic of it spread around the world, and it's a global thing. Now, fully global, every nation, you know, it's the same of how quickly we can contact the church in every nation or spread the word or, or lean into the body and call out for help or all come into agreement in prayer and intercession on topics. Uh, we've seen it just over, interestingly enough, over Pentecost with America, media fed but a very true point on their issues with racism which is just as rife in Australia and in many nations and yet the whole world is responding because we have access and we can see and there is a global church and there is a global church in repentance towards each other happening and I feel like before, even five to ten years ago, or as the internet came in, we were nation to nation relating, but now it's it's tribes and it's tongues that are getting connected in. You know, remnants or pieces of the church are all being able to connect and that on that level, it's a very powerful time. And so when I think of this picture of uh, the huge ancient doors, I knew it was threshold and it was so interesting coming into Pentecost and we had our Pentecost Sunday after fasting the right fast for this time. If you even can see what's happening in the world, we, we can see darkness or we can recognize like in Habakkuk 3 when the Lord is coming, that pestilence and disease go before him. There, it, The light exposes so much more. The more light that comes, more is exposed and we're just seeing darkness being exposed everywhere. And and there's noise and trembling because he is coming, he is returning. And so I got excited at Pentecost because I, I, I saw a basket tipping over in our worship set and I, you know, called out, there's, um, we're a store, there's a store and bring everything in your storehouse and pour it in. Feeling it was for either this region or for this nation, but I knew that he was pouring a storehouse into us for us to send out. Uh, there's, a, there's a scattering in a good way and 
Uh, I think Australia is blessed for such a time as this. And um, But again, it was that sense of a tipping point. And I feel we've never seen a Pentecost like this Pentecost, where the whole world was praying into and is surrendering in the sense of the church more together than we've ever been. And we've we've got, oh, you could say we've got a long way to go, but this is so powerful how we're so much more global than we've been before. This is end times and I'm sure many of us in the church for years have gone, I feel like I've heard end times for a while. But there's a there's a point in the rumblings and then the stirrings and in the darkness being exposed where you recognize, wow, we've come through something significant in the last few months. But the Lord really has a heart for oneness and unity in this era that we've stepped into, and it's, it's happening. So though I, I want to emphasize the grief of the lost and the broken and the disenfranchised um, and kind of stay in it, not just consider Isaiah 58 as a fast, but as a lifestyle and a focus, I want to celebrate um, the Song of Songs 8, the Holy Spirit coming upon us and the uniting of the church like never before and to take hope in that and to really pursue what oneness and unity even looks like. Um, even though we are very different, the church is very different. We have a lot of different streams, a lot of different a lot of different self-righteousnesses, to be honest, on how we feel it is holy and acceptable to approach the Lord. Um, but I feel like we need each other so much more than we've ever realized before, and it's a good thing to recognize need. So I wanted to just probably break this open before you, and I'm sure we'll discuss this through the week like we usually do, um, Brad, with the communion that we do daily, and different ones of us on leadership might pop up if we have something we're noticing we want to chew through. But there is, as always, a beautiful posture of repentance required when we hear what the Lord is hinting on and what He's wanting to awaken in our hearts. And what I want to emphasize the most is is that after when I saw those doors and when He said, it's, it's not enough for me, there were no more wo- words from the Lord Instead, it was that I simply felt it. And I feel like the Lord really desires His church to feel what's on His heart. We need to come out of agreement with things that have stopped us from feeling, things that have caused us panic if we feel, methods we've used to sort of subdue our feelings or come into denial to cope. And I I get it, I don't like those feelings. I can have moments where I feel I'm spinning, but there is a expansion and a resilience he wants to build into the church through prayer. What better time than now to be a people of corporate prayer, um, to be able to lean into each other with what we're sensing and to lean into the Father. We must lean into the Lord when it comes to knowing his heart. When we see injustice around us, we must be listening and learning and speaking and walking humbly, but it must be done leaning into the Lord. We must know His heart on the matter. Um, culture around us speaks loudly. It's noisy. And so for us, it's, it's so important to seek the wisdom and the heart of the Lord on all things. It's very easy to entangle our hearts with the culture of the world and they like panic. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, we love our brothers. We just pray for calm over the world in Jesus' name. So I wanted to put that out for you. What happened was at the end of this vision, because I was sitting there bawling my eyes, that I started to feel and the grief was real. 
And I realized that's no longer union with him if I haven't got the rest of me with me, the rest of the world, the people that he's bought. You know, every person is designed by Jesus. I think we often think of our brother as the church and that's our body. It is our body. It's described as a body, but we're all from Adam. You know, every person was made with intentionality, with design. And so there's this, there's this reality of oneness that is bigger than just the church that I think is on the heart of God, where we come in intercessionally so much more than we realize that we come in for prayer for a much broader perspective than our own journey and our own hearts. And both are valuable. I don't want to become so other-centered that we lose awareness of self. But if we're doing awareness of self outside of the context of learning his love and our love for others and maturing love, we've missed it. We've become self-centered. Self-awareness is for the goal of love. Other-centeredness, to, to look at other people, it's for the goal of love. And so we really need to anchor the stewardship of that and make sure we're not kind of isolating ourselves from the reality that we are connected everywhere we go. Every thought we have is connected with other people. You know, every choice we make, whether I choose to um, spend time with someone or not spend time with them, both the, the decision to not spend time so that I can have a sleep can be a loving others decision just as much as spending time with them is. And so just removing judgments and really just seeking the Lord for stewardship for our lives, but no longer isolating our worlds to a little protective bubble and assuming that everything around us isn't affecting us or to do with us. It's highly our matter. If there's one people on the world that should lead the army of justice, it's the church. Isaiah 58 fast is, is highly about confronting and removing any form of division. And I, I, I guess when we talk about unity or oneness, we have to acknowledge that we need to remove and repent anything in us that causes division, whether it's just simply that we think we're right. Because if we think we're right, we think others are wrong. Um, there's a huge portion of division in the church simply because of people's opinions on the Bible. And so I need to add in here that it needs to be anchored in truth, but if truth's not anchored in love, it's no longer true. And so we need to recognize that we can have completely different opinions. We can be very diverse. We can be brought up very differently. We can have different perspectives um, of the Lord. We can function in different ways, hands, foot, but the value for each other needs to be high and appreciation and celebration. We don't just put up with our diversities, we celebrate and we champion them. I kind of uh, noticed this in a marriage, I noticed this in our leadership team. Uh, we were laughing about it just this week, how we are very different and we don't actually all agree a lot. Um, I think that can make people scared to hear that. You know, your leaders aren't in agreement. I'm like, oh, we are in agreement. We come to agreement, but it doesn't mean that we agree with how each other got there or the way each other thinks because we're so different. We're very different. We are wired differently. We're brought up differently. We're gifted differently. And what holds us together is the desire of the Lord and the covenant that we've made. And covenant is what keeps us together. Not that, that we think the same or we're growing on the same revelation at the same time or we're always on the same page, but we fight to meet each other on that page. We present it to each other, we wrestle in love so that we can be on the same page. Same with marriage, we're never going to be the same. The joke is that opposite attract, but then to try and change that um, 
removes the quality and the gift and the blessing and the strengths that come to your marriage because of your diversity. So just to recognize that it's not something that we whinge about, but we put up with, but it's actually something that we champion and we give thanks about and we're grateful for. Um, so when I was before these doors and feeling it, I know I'm dancing between stuff. Thanks for tracking with me. This is the prophetic, hey, we sort of, what's the word? I don't know. You, you can go in a lot of different bubbles. So I'm very grateful that you're always patient with me when I'm speaking. Um, before the, these huge doors, there's just a deep sense of grief, a reckoning and an understanding of just a drop of the heart of the Lord. And it's a well, but I feel held in it where before my own panic was overwhelming. Now I'm feeling way more, but I feel very secure in what I'm feeling. Isn't that beautiful? You're held when he reveals his heart. And then all I heard was, he said, are you willing? Uh, I knew he meant, are you willing to feel it, to see it, to cost it for the nations, tribes and tongues to know me? And by his grace alone in that moment, I knew like an unction, like the fire in my heart said, I am willing. But it came like the last breath in my body. I didn't feel I had more than that, but I said, I am willing. But I feel like the Lord says to us often in a time of sweetness things, and we can respond with I am willing, but what it looks like to live willing is really different. And so a lot of my prayer since then is, Lord, create in me a willing heart. Create in me a willing heart. We're just, I'm just constantly recognizing that we go back to what is the most comfortable pattern for us without thinking. It's just like your plan B and you land on it all the time. It's your coping mechanism. And so it's, Lord, keep me aware of you and give me a willing heart. Are really strong prayers. I'm just throwing that out for you in case you're looking for tools or how to approach this with me because I feel this is kind of what the Lord's heart is and obviously for our community, but way broader. It's his heart for this for this new day you know it's it, that the church would operate with unity globally and that we would call in the harvest there would be a high oneness there would be that the children would come home that your neighbors would come home that we'd come back into being one body i wanted to read um joel 2 uh this last wednesday so it would have been the third of june uh we had a prayer set and uh we post it live but at one point i just heard myself i was like call fire call fire and blow the trumpet and it it made me think oh joel 2 and so um read joel 2 it's intense Whew, the armies of the Lord. But then we've got Joel 2, 28, and it says, it shall come to pass afterwards that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, right? That's what we desire. It's the end time. It's what the down payment was on Acts 2, but it's also the song of songs, a cry, pour out your Holy Spirit. Um, but I love this. You pour it out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. This is in Joel. Back then, men were kind of counted, women were not. And I love how this isn't a translation um, edification, like let's add women in there. In here, it really is your sons and daughters shall prophesy, honoring both genders. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall, shall, shall see. Well, who saw seashells on the seashore? <laughs> the old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. So now it's confronting the division of ages, old and young. And then it says, even on the male and female servants. And so it's confronting your social economic, 
you know, roles in society, you know, if you've been privileged or unprivileged, if you're a servant or a leader. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit. I love how he says, I'm pouring out my spirit and then what he emphasizes are the things that would divide us. And he says, and all, all would have the spirit. His cry really is for unity. You can think of one body with many members, 1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 26. This is the ESV. He goes through different parts of the body and how some are meant to be more hidden and some are more seen, some are more shiny, some are more private, some seem so strong and some seem lacking. And yet we're called to, to honour it all, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now we learn this and we often apply that to our body, like our church, and it's in it to paradox and that's essential we need to learn to suffer when the other suffers and we need to rejoice when they rejoice and we need to learn how to language so many things so that we're not bringing division within this body that was Isaiah 58 you know remove all slander um, all the accusing there is such a fierce cry of the Lord for find unity fight for unity um, and yet in this he's talking about the body both end, but he's talking about the church body. And we all have different denominations. Some of us have experienced a few. Some of us have been hurt by a few. And yet the Lord says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let it expose our pride and let it expose our self-righteousness and let it expose our prejudices and let it expose our issues, whether they're gender, racial, age, um, socioeconomic. Let it expose it, because if one suffers, then we all suffer. And then we look at John 17, and I love this. This is Jesus's prayer for us. Um, verse 20, and I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. He's not just praying for the Jews, he's praying for the Gentiles. That's like us not just praying for the church body to be one, but he's, we're praying for our neighbor and the prodigal, okay? I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us, so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Whew. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one. It is the Holy Spirit that helps us do this. I don't think we can be one without him. We can have great opinions. We can do the, the fight, the mercy talk, the justice talk, the compassion talk. But in truth, we do not have the ability or the grace to be one without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit himself is unity. Um, for the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. There's a footnote here. That's the end of verse, it's John 17, verse 22. And it says, it is important to note that the key to unity among believers, here we go, is experiencing the glory of God that Jesus has imparted to us. As one with God through faith in Christ, he shares his glory with us since we are not another but have been made one with the triune God through the blood of Jesus. We can't get them. We're not going to understand them. We're not going to know what they're going through, but we're made one through blood. We're made one through Jesus. 
Okay? And then verse 23, you live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. Another great footnote here. So um, the Aramaic is um, that they might not just experience perfect unity, but it says shrink into one, shrink into one. When we see Jesus in one another, our vaulted opinions of ourselves will shrink. Isn't that great? Isn't it great that we fasted into this Pentecost time with a fast of humility, of repentance really, shrinking into a posture to listen to him say, I desire oneness. I desire everything you have, it pleases me. It is good. It is wonderful. Reach out and be one with the church and reach out and be one with your brother. There is a deep cry of oneness and it needs to happen for society to be changed, for the nations to be changed, for healing to come to the land. We need to be one with other churches. We need oneness. It has moved me, as you can see, and it's a it seems depressing, but it's such an exciting feeling. I think all the things we've seen, oh, the things I've seen even on my own journey with the ch my children is overwhelming and too big. And then I remember, oh, but oneness with the churches, if we do it together, which is his desire, then even what seems too hard will be bearable and nothing is impossible to God, whether with one or with many, but the power and the movement and the voice that comes when the church is united, that they will know that God has sent them. Like that's the testimony. They would recognize that you sent me. There's something in unity with the churches that really will shift our nation and the nations of the earth. Um, so I just want to put that before you. I don't really want to expand on it too much because this takes meditation. It takes sifting and it takes feeling and feeling takes time and can be ugly. <laughs> so permission to be ugly, permission to let it bubble up. And I think sometimes when we feel we get the froth on the top. So for some, it's just despair and no, not really sifting anything else. For others, it can be anger. Um, you have a froth emotion like you're the way I call it is the emotion that's been triggered the most. So even if I'm sad, sometimes I look angry first. And so you've got to get underneath the froth and just figure out what's really going on. Can I encourage you to get under your froth? Uh, let it get under your skin. Let it, uh, not in a, I'm going to chew on this without the Lord. Go into him, talk to him about it. Sit even on these scriptures, John 17, um, Isaiah 58, Joel 2. Sit on them with the Lord again and say, God, where do I remove myself from unity? Where do I choose division because it's easier? How have I separated myself and called it uniqueness or, um, you know, personal goal from the Lord for me? And where have I chosen my life over this life, which is one with each other? Um, and I just want to do a prayer in closing that we would meditate on this throughout the week and really pray into it, uh, even on how we function as the church coming out of COVID, where our hearts are most focused and where our lives maybe shift a little bit to be the church who feels what he wants us to feel and to be a little bit more humble in how we connect with other churches, even though we think differently, um, operate differently. Um, the diversity is okay to him. So do you join with me in prayer? I've written some points, so I might look at it while I'm praying. But let's just give a few minutes to the Lord. And I hope you're not feeling too sombered to 
you know, you're in your jammies, so you should be okay. But I think it's good to feel, and we get the blessing of repentance, and we get the blessing of doing this together as a community, letting it expose us, and we get to reach out and get to know the church in a much more humble way for some of us, me included, um, in Australia and broader, because that's the blessing of internet, and really partner with the church instead of trying to build our own tower do it differently according to our understanding of scripture. We're just going to stay in the lane he's called us to be in. This is important. The diversity is important. And we're going to reach out and hold hands with the rest of the body and tell her that she's beautiful. Is that okay? All right. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your revelation. Thank you for what you're stirring up in our hearts. Thank you for the shifts. Thank you for the ones already in our community that have seen this vision, have felt your heart, have already been running this road. And Lord, we just pray that you would scoop us up all into your heart, into your beautiful, safe heart, as you open our eyes and our ears to what you want us to see. Father, I just pray that you would help us remove any form of division. As we've prayed through the Isaiah 58 fast, remove any form of division in our hearts, any form of accusation, any form of judgment. Lord, we want it to be banned from our hearts, that it wouldn't be the way that we operate, that we wouldn't look at others with cynicism and with criticism any longer, that our conversations would be full of of truth and love, Lord. We just pray that you would wash out the rest of the junk and the drama. Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to be willing Help our hearts to be willing to be one. Help our hearts to choose this. Help us to choose humility. Jesus, cause us to listen. Open our eyes to see. Help us to be brave. Fill us with the courage enough to be people who care. Lord, fill us enough to care. Help us to be brave enough to actually feel it and to know how to walk those waters, walk on those waters of deep feelings, of deep um, knowings, and of suffering with our brothers, to be able to choose to be in deep waters with our brothers and sisters. Lord, help us, we pray, to have courage to feel, to act justly, to walk humbly, and to love mercy. By your grace, may our daily prayer be, I am willing. And Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ across the world. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen them as they gather according to their time frame today, Lord Jesus, in whatever way that they gather, however they gather, we pray for protection. We ask for hiding prayers. Lord, deliver them from evil. Let your glory come through their offering today, Lord. Let greater healing and joy abound. May your fire light up every cell of this bride of your body in Jesus' name. Lord, let great unity come forward just as you desire. May we love and appreciate and honour each other. May we serve each other and champion each other and recognise our need for each other. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for our pride and our self-righteousness where we've chosen division, thinking we know what's right or we're better at what we're doing than even our brethren, Lord, and we've cut them off in disgust where we've walked away from unity, Lord, out of protecting our own opinions about you and about our faith. Even where exhaustion has made us turn away, Lord, I just pray you would give us courage to lean back in 
Not that we have to agree with everything, but that we can learn to appreciate and champion you in our brother and sister Jesus. Lord, we just say we want what you want. We want unity. We don't, don't want to be a bride walking around divided and in parts all over the place, Lord. We want to come into you with all of us there. God, we pray for those who are not yet in you. You're calling them home. This is the harvest season. And so, Jesus, we call them home with you. We say, come, come home. Lord, we long for our brothers and sisters to come home. We, we cry out for them. We ring the bell. We say, join the wedding, join the wedding. Lord, we cry out for their hearts. We plead the blood of Jesus over their story, every step where they are, every thought where they are, every action that they're taking. We plead the blood of Jesus. Lord, we weep over their brokenness and we... We recognize that, Lord, you know every part of their story and you desire them to come home. And so, Jesus, we agree. Come home, come home, come home. Lord, I just pray that you would soften our hearts to the broken, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and understanding, that we wouldn't turn away, that we wouldn't call it the too hard bucket anymore. But in unity with your body, we'd be able to reach out to the lost. Lord, awaken this in us. Show us where it's already happening in the church that we can partner with her, celebrate her and be one with her as we love this nation, every tribe, every tongue, every color, every gender, every age. Mature us, Jesus, into what your heart desires for this church. Keep us in the lane. Keep us beating the drum you want us to beat. But Lord, that we would lean in to the unity that's on your heart, the cry that's on your heart for oneness, like we've never done before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I bless you. We'll continue to journey this with you. I would so appreciate hearing any of your feedback. Put it in the comments below. We love hearing how you're tracking, and it's so much harder with this distance. Thankfully, not too much longer. But comment below, comment within your life hubs, discuss what this means, let it burn your flesh, let it humble you, let it excite you. I want you to just celebrate the other churches today that are gathering and bless your brothers in Jesus' name. I love you. Bye.